You'll always remember this is the day you almost caught Captain Jack Sparrow. Starting a startup. Welcome to The Syndicate, the blogcast series, where we talk tech. We help startups and investors optimize for returns and building bigger, better, more successful businesses. I'm your host, Matt Ward, and I'm an angel investor, startup advisor, and serial entrepreneur. TheSyndicate.vc is our big project. We interview some of the top investors, VCs around the world, build out roundtables on cryptocurrency, artificial intelligence, and consumer tech, and invest in some pretty promising early-stage companies. If you're interested in learning more about us and what we do, TheSyndicate.vc. But today, we're talking startup pirate game theory. If you've got a dream, and your dream doesn't require a team, you need to dream bigger. Source, unknown. When working with startups, both as an investor and advisor, I like to focus on incentives. The more aligned your organization is, the better the performance will be. Commission salespeople are hustlers. Ever buy a used car? They'll do anything to get the sale, but they don't care about the dealership. The majority of their compensation comes from sales. They don't get a piece of the bigger pie, so why help other salesmen? It's a bit of a dog-eat-dog world. The other extreme. Corporate America. That's just as bad. If you're working in a startup, you don't want just a job. Your goal isn't simply a paycheck and benefits. You want meaning. And upside. Founders are crazy. You have to be to fight to bring something new and radical to the world. Founders magnetize others to follow them. But early startup employees are crazy too. They believe in the vision of building something bigger. But they also own the company in a sense. This is their baby. They have a stake and they create the culture from day one. It isn't all fun and games though. How about a pirate's life for me? Being a pirate is a lot like joining a startup. A rebel on the high seas setting sail into the unknown in search of treasure and adventure. And the seas aren't smooth. Anything but, actually. But the rewards can be life-changing. For ships to function, the entire crew must be aligned. Every mate has his, or her, job. Technically, pirates didn't really allow women. They thought it was a curse. But everyone relies on everyone else. And there's little room for error. The opportunities to die are endless. Just like a startup. The pirate captain. Everyone knows the captain's in charge. At least that's the myth. The reality, much like any situation, is that leaders succeed and survive only when their crew permits it. Too much trouble, running out of food, stock prices plummeting, that's when mutinies occur. The collective pick the person most able to help them achieve their goals. If it's not you, you're out. It's a bit like game theory. That's the motivation for this post. The pirate's riddle. In essence, a captain has 100 gold coins. How does he divide them among the four crew members to maximize his share? Keep in mind that the majority can throw him overboard if they feel cheated. Google the pirate's riddle if you want to find the answer and try to solve this. The riddle's not important, however. The consideration of the others in the equation, specifically the equity equation, that's the important part. Startup equity. How much is too much? That's the number one question I get from founders. We're hiring a VP of this or a head of that and I don't know how much equity to give them. Fred Wilson has a great system. The syndicate.vc or just search Fred Wilson startup equity and you'll find some great information on that. For your first key hires, Fred says, three, five, maybe as many as 10, you'll probably not want to use any kind of formula. Alternatively, Leo Polovitz of Sousa Ventures has another well-thought-out theory, and it's data-supported. At one to 10-person companies, typically 0.5 to 2% is pretty common range, although some companies fall out of this. From 11 to 50-person companies, 0.1 to 1% is typical. And for 51 to 200 person companies, 0.01 to 0.2% is typical. The truth, however, is there's no perfect formula. Instead, I encourage founders to consider the pirate example. 
see things from the other size. A smaller piece of a big pie still beats a personal pan pizza. But this can get founders in trouble as well. Being too freewheeling is equally with equity is dilutive and dangerous. Although Sam Altman of YC recommends being even more generous with equity. Investors especially are going to focus on this though. I won't invest if I believe the dilution required from future capital raises will demotivate a founder. At a certain point, you can only give away so much of your company before it doesn't feel like your company anymore. That's a trap. When founders own too little, the drive to build dies. That's when you have a forced sale or a CEO replacement. The same issue happens with co-founders where one leaves without vesting. If one guy owns 50% of the business, you don't feel too motivated to build it for him. Somehow investors are going to want liquidity though. And if a founder isn't the right one to bring the business to the promised land, the board will oust them. No founder wants that, to have to walk the plank. Hmm. For a well-thought-out growth plan on equity and future employee dilution, Google Andy Ratcliffe, CEO of Wealthfront, equity plan, or something to that effect, and you'll find out. It's a pretty great post from the, one of the partners at Benchmark. Company culture, more than just equity. Sure, shares are great, but ownership of an idea is even better. Employees need to feel a part of the mission. The best founders create this culture early on. They work the phones, they handle customer service, they ask employees for advice and suggestions, and they create relatively flat organizations. There are many ways to make employees feel empowered. Here are my three favorites. One, transparency and company updates. Think investor updates, but for employees. In a startup, it's easier to trust the captain when you're kept in the loop and you see where the ship's headed. Two, epic job titles, or none at all. Bonobos has customer service ninjas, and that feels great and sounds significantly cooler and more important than customer service agent. Plus, it gets way more applicants, makes everyone feel mission critical, and makes it feel like you actually are all on the same level. Three, encourage brainstorming and debate. Ray Dalio of Bridgewater Associates, the world's largest hedge fund with $160 billion in assets under management, has a policy of idea meritocracy. He talks with everyone, and the best decision wins out. They have a scoring system based off of people's experience, leadership, skills, etc. to be able to determine how to weight people's opinions. But it's very interesting. Uh, he did a great post with Tim Ferriss about it. If you Google Tim Ferriss, Ray Dalio, you should be able to find that. Game theory and investors. The dynamics above are very similar for investors as well. VCs and angel investors invest to make money, and they need returns to stay in the game. By working with your company, they single, signal that they believe in your startup. But not all investors are created equal. As a founder, you need to weigh investment offers carefully. All money isn't good money. I guess all money isn't great money. Technically, all money is a little bit green, but there is stuff that comes with a value add of having a great investor. And sure, all cash keeps the ship afloat, but often some capital accelerates it. For example, Sequoia or Benchmark are going to open doors for founders. Simply being funded by one of these darlings of Silicon Valley will get you meetings and give credibility to the investor community. Two employees as well. Helps with recruiting. And sales. Plus you'll probably need more money. And Sequoia leads the way with all VCs, with 87% of their investments getting follow-on funding. The network's key too, though. Different investors run in different circles. And depending on your product and business, certain investors definitely add more value than others. This is especially true for industry-specific funds or investors. When a firm has industry experience, complementary portfolio companies, and connections to enterprise buyers, they bring a lot to the table. Or as Mark Cuban likes to say, sweat equity is the best startup capital.
And accordingly, you think long and hard about that offer, even if it's below market rate. The right partner puts you on a path to a bigger pie. Investors aren't everything. They're a small piece of the puzzle. And if one specific investor is make or break for your company, you have bigger problems. Investors look for entrepreneurs that will succeed on their own, no matter what. We want to add fuel to the fires and help accelerate growth. The bidding war. When deals get hot, they get dangerous. As a founder with a rapidly rising valuation, it's hard to see how you can get burned. You can. The problem with valuations is expectations. Raise too high and the next round must exceed it. No one wants a down round. A 10 million pre versus a 20 million pre have vastly different metrics. Work with investors and advisors on planning out your future fundraising. They should be able to help you with targets to aim for. As a rule of thumb, Series A investors want at least 100K in MRR, monthly recurring revenue. Some of this depends on the business type, etc. Fintech, healthcare, a lot of ones with more regulations, you might be able to get away with less. But at the same time, many founders are shocked by this. That amount of traction needed. The fact is, if you don't understand the expectations, you'll come up short. Or you'll raise with bad terms. Think carefully about this. The valuation isn't the end game. It isn't even that important. Equity ownership of a rocket ship is. Don't get seduced by the big numbers. The problems with VCs. Most venture firms need to own at least X percent of the company to make the economics work. This presents problems when you want less money. If you're looking to raise $1 million at a $10 million pre and Andreessen has to have 20% of the company to invest, you're looking at 83% dilution, 83% more dilution. Here competition helps. The more investors interested in your company and your round, the more leverage you have. If Andreessen really wants in and other investors are willing to match, you might be able to negotiate. The flip side. Raising money at good terms when you can is almost always a good idea. You never know when the capital markets are going to crap themselves or there'll be a key change in your business. A war chest allows your team to continue or pivot as necessary without relying on outside capital. In a business, nothing's ever guaranteed. Many investors are wary of bridge rounds. Is this a bridge to nowhere? That's the common question. But with money in the bank, it's not important. An extended runway lets startups figure things out even when they make a few mistakes and still have a shot on goal. It's your choice. Riding off into the sunset. The best startups are like special forces, a deadly unit where everyone busts their ass, does the dirty work, and keeps fighting till the bitter end. And while developers might not take a bullet, their hardcore obsession with the mission drives disruptive innovation. 100 plus hour work weeks aren't uncommon. Everyone's 100% committed, especially if they have equity. And while it's unhealthy, it's often what's necessary to succeed. Startups try to do the impossible. They take on the world and they win. That takes superhuman effort. You're asking employees to risk everything to make your dream a reality. The best way to accomplish a dream is to help your team accomplish theirs. Look at equity. Look at incentives. Look at culture. Each plays a critical role. What do you think? Pirates are pretty cool. So are startups. The truth is both are over-glamorized. It's a hard life filled with ups, downs, and uncertainty. The thing is, having an awesome crew can get you through tough times. So for founders, how have you handled equity in the past? Did it work? Did it not? Would love to hear. And investors, any advice from portfolio companies? Bringing together both sides of this balancing act is very helpful for everyone involved. Would love to hear your comments, suggestions in the show notes, thesyndicate.vc. You can find this, subscribe to our articles, our podcasts, and our roundtable series. We just did one with Tim O'Reilly and James Allworth. We've done cryptocurrency one with Gil Penchina, Joey Krug. Andy Bromberg, the CEO of CoinList, and we're constantly putting out more valuable content for investors and operators 
So if you're interested, thesyndicate.vc. Subscribe for our iTunes podcast updates and, of course, our newsletter if you want to get the best of the best. And remember, 10x employees are irreplaceable. Hire the best and you'll always beat the rest. So until the next time, this has been a Syndicate Blogcast series. I'm your host, Matt Ward. If you guys want to chit-chat on Twitter, I'm at It's Matt Ward. Yes, I have a massive ego. Or more importantly, there's a million guys named Matt Ward, which means you can't get a great domain name or anything anywhere. So at It's Matt Ward on the Twitter. would love to hear what you guys think. Until next time, go make it happen.